Today, we're diving into how restaurants can slingshot themselves forward through cutting-edge digital technologies with Meredith Sandlin and Carl Osborne. Carl and Meredith are uniquely qualified to speak to this, given that they've just released the book, Delivering the Digital Restaurant. Tune in to find out what they think the future of restaurants looks like, opportunities you can take advantage of today, and how the Web 3.0 frontier may impact bars, restaurants, and hospitality in general. Welcome to Guest Getter, the best place for restaurant tours to learn the art and science of getting more new guests, getting guests coming back more often, and getting guests spending more per visit so that you can be more profitable and do more of what you love. My name's Kyle Guilfoyle. Let's hit it. Meredith and Carl, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing great, thank you. Thanks for inviting us. I'm very good, Kyle. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Well, I'm excited. This is my very first time hosting a, a thruple, so to speak. So, so I'm excited. Uh, I'd I'd love to begin by asking each of you what you consider to be your area of expertise or your zone of genius. Whoa, that's a good question. Um, so uh, my background is in strategy consulting. Um, and I consider my zone of genius, that's the first time I've heard that phrase, that's a good one, um, to be bringing together what at first appears like desperate information uh, in order to make a great decision about what to go do next. Awesome. And Carl? It's a great answer, Meredith. I always never like going, I've never liked following Meredith and her great answers, Carl. So we'll have to... After answer first, my my experience is largely in convenience retail. Carl, I am um, ran the AMPM network, a thousand sites up and down the west coast here of uh, of North America, and um, a lot of my time has been spent in retail operations and more recently in ghost kitchen operations. And so, what is operations zone of excellence and genius? Um, it's really about trying to make the complex as simple as possible and trying to drive efficiencies through that operation without sacrificing anything to the customer promise. Amazing. And and what's one thing about each of those areas of expertise you wish you had learned years ago? Wow. Um, I think the, the thing for me would be the importance of really just always listening to your customer through everything you do. Um, even at times just standing back and watching an operation and feeling the awkward you know, hands in the pocket and watching an observing piece and how vitally important that is to truly understand how your customers are experiencing what you think they're experiencing and perhaps sometimes what they are not. Got it. Yeah, for me, I would say it is a bias to action. Um, you can imagine that someone who loves information um, can spend an awful lot of time gathering it. And I think in my, uh, in my more mature years, I've learned that there are... Uh, declining returns to additional information. And sometimes you just need to put something out there and see how the world reacts to it. Love it. Love it. Now, so, okay. So now we know a bit about your, you know, your respective areas of expertise. I'd love to hear the story about how you both conspired to bring your book, Delivering the Digital Restaurant to the World. Well, I'll take a stab at that one, Meredith. Uh, Meredith and I are working together at Kitchen United, uh, one of the leading ghost kitchen companies here in the US. And um, we saw right there just the level of change affecting restaurants and the enormity of digital disruption that was occurring 
through every kind of re restaurant business model. It wasn't happening exclusively to, to one particular type of restaurant. Um, and even in the ghost kitchen world, with those that had subscribed to the idea and the, the thesis behind ghost kitchens, they were still struggling to understand, well, what do we need to do different? How do we explore this world of digital marketing in a way that is perhaps different to what we traditionally market our business through? And I think Meredith and I were in the car driving back from Pasadena in California, where Kitchen United's headquarters are. And I said, you know, one day, one day someone should write a book about this uh, because it'd be really handy for us to get this book and just hand it to these restaurants for them to be able to see and hear an unbiased account of what are perhaps some of the best practices. And it was only after we both left Kitchen United that we thought, you know what, this, this pandemic actually might be a perfect opportunity for uh, writing a book. The idea and the book writing process actually had started before the pandemic, but when the pandemic was in full force, Kyle, that was a great chance for us to be able to put our heads together and start working on something, which became, of course, even more um, important through, through a very tough year that the industry's just gone through. Makes makes sense. The uh, the pandemic certainly was a, a catalyst for for, uh, for for a lot. Uh, so, oh, okay. So your your book is called "Delivering the Digital Restaurant." Uh, would you guys be able to, to tell us a bit about what exactly a digital restaurant is? Hmm, that's a good question. So I think in the future, all restaurants will be digital, um, and many of them are, to greater or lesser degree, making the migration there. Um, to me, it is first and foremost a digital relationship with the consumer and an understanding of how consumers look to use restaurants um, in their modern lives. Um, but it is more than just, um, you know, going up on a platform and calling it a day and saying that you're digital. That is but step one. Um, it's really about reformulating the entire business model. Uh, in order to fulfill on the digital promise that you've created with the consumer online. Okay, would you be able to give us an example of um, which, uh, an example of a restaurant that is best capitalizing on the digital restaurant concept right now and, and something that we could, we could learn from that model? Yeah, I mean, we, we often quote the top five and, and one of those top five is a company called Sweetgreen. And um, sweet greens stand out on a number of levels. First of all, in their cuisine type and the relevance of it for the kind of consumer set that exists today and eating better for you food and having food with a strong kind of supply chain linked to it. Um, and then you've got the ability for that operation and that food to be able to get to the customer in as seamless a fashion as possible. So not only do you have a great on-premise operation where you can order ahead and you can actually have your order ready for you to collect, but you've got an ability for that food also to be delivered to you in a manner that is almost as close to a dining experience. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean things like great packaging to ensure that the, the salads are kept in the best possible condition, both through transit and at a temperature that obviously is con conducive. Um, but then you've got things like the technology platforms that you can access Sweet Greens food. They, um, they have this ability, which is uh, called Outposts, and they deliver their foods to office buildings uh, and the like, uh, where people can order en masse, and therefore Sweet Green delivers on one particular journey to that office building, perhaps hundreds of different orders for customers that have ordered before a certain order window for them to collect and therefore save a lot of money on the typical high costs of delivery that they would otherwise incur. Um, things like that, that kind of level of innovation, that kind of mindset 
really stands out as sweet green from the rest. Meredith, do you, do you have anything else that you'd add to sweet green that perhaps I've missed? Yeah, you know, what I love about that example is that you've really brought to life that it isn't just about having a great digital interface. I think a lot of people think, oh, digital, I need to have an app. Um, and certainly having a great digital ordering experience um, is important, whether that's in restaurant or out of restaurant. Um, but what you've heard Carl describe is then all of the things that it takes to make that digital order successful. It's not just, you know, I'm going to type it in on my phone and call it a day, right? After that, the restaurant has to make the food, package the food, deliver the food, and the ways in which they do those things um, really help them become holistically digital. Um, I would also include in that their ongoing relationship with the consumer after the order, right? How do they um, collect reviews? How do they treat those reviews? How do they um, get back in touch with the consumer to find out how things went? Um, how do they get them to order again? All of those things um, wrap in a total umbrella about uh, behaving differently in this new digital world. Got it. Yeah, I mean, the the like I, I would usually consider the, the way that a restaurant engages with folks who have you know, uh, patronize them somehow as, you know, that's a, that's a form of retention. Like it's a form of how we get folks to come back again and again. Would you be able to share some of the very best ways you are seeing restaurants do that? Uh, you know, maybe, maybe ways that are innovative or unusual? Yeah, well, sure. I think, um, we've got two chapters in the book uh, on marketing. And I think that they um, really go hand in hand. Um, the first one is about attracting customers who get you. And the second one is about um, engaging them on an ongoing basis in a, in a relationship, really. And I think that the um, first step, attracting customers who get you, is really about understanding your own personal why. Um, and for an independent restaurant, this is why did you get into the re restaurant business in the first place? What was it? Was it, a, was it a great recipe? Was it passion for the food? Was it hospitality and enjoying those things? Um, and being able to encapsulate that in a brand idea or a brand identity enables you to talk consistently across the platforms. Because what's happening in the digital world is your voice is getting incredibly fragmented. It's no longer just, you know, say a flyer that you're putting out in the mail and your four wall restaurant, that's your brand, call it a day. It's now you showing up on three different ordering platforms and having your own native app and um, potentially advertising on Instagram and Facebook. Like there's so many different places that consumers are seeing you that if you don't know to your core who your core is, it's very hard to show up consistently across the platforms. And then the tools about acquiring customers have changed, right? So again, going back to that flyer reference, that's what restaurants kind of did 10 years ago. Um, and it's still a useful tool in the arsenal. But now a younger consumer, say Gen We, might be shopping for food on an app. And that might be their first place that they discover your brand. And so thinking about how you acquire consumers through those apps is incredibly important. Um, that might be something like uh, making sure that you're running the right promotions to get into the top carousel, um, ensuring that you have good order times to get in the short order time carousel, um, ensuring that you uh, deliver on expectations very well that first time so that you come up in that frequently ordered carousel because customers want to go back to a place that they've had a great experience. 
Um, so that's all on the upfront customer acquisition. Once you have that customer, the number one thing a restaurant needs to do is deliver to or even exceed expectations with great food at great quality, consistently offered in a timely manner. And more than anything else a restaurant can do, those things are important. Great news is those are the things restaurants are good at. They don't require a whole new digital skill set to figure out, right? Um, but after that, there are some new digital skill sets that restaurants can add. Um, things around uh, converting the consumer from third-party to first-party ordering, uh, figuring out how to um, enroll that customer in, say, a loyalty platform that gets their consumer data and allows you to start creating behavioral segments so that you're advertising the right product to the right person at the right time. Um, Carl, I'll let you talk a little bit about converting people from third to first party. A real, real quick uh, interjection. I'd love to know what 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 is your favorite loyalty platform or tool? Do you guys have one? Mm, that's a good question. You know, we try to be very tool agnostic. Um, there are a lot of great tools out there, and I think that depending on what size of restaurant you are, and what your needs are, and what other pieces of technology you're trying to stitch together, different tools work well for different players. Um, having said that, we interviewed Zach Goldstein at Thanks for the book, and we really like uh, his platform and what they've been able to do in a loyalty. Got it. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think there are, there's a plethora of various different tools out there, Kyle, and I think whether it's loyalty or elsewhere, um, the amount of choice, quite honestly, is one of the biggest challenges that restaurant owner operators have. So I understand why you asked the question, but there isn't a correct answer for that question without having an appropriate understanding of the profile of the restaurants that um, you're talking to. Now, to, to Meredith's question a moment ago, a good case in point here is you might uh, talk about a first party ordering platform like Olo, of course, which are known with you know, a huge level of credibility in our industry. But if you're an independent one or two unit operation, the services and feature set of what Olo offer right now might just be too overbearing for you to be able to truly take to your business, in which case for where you are right now, maybe a toast is a better solution or a chow now. And so that I think is an example of how to make the right kind of choice based on the feature set, not just the expense, but the feature set and the enormity of setup to make sure that that feature set is successful. Um, so back, back to the, the third party, first party conversion piece. I think this is really the crux of the matter. Um, third parties have invested, I don't know how many millions in marketing to be able to acquire customers, but they've, they've invested a lot at a loss for them for many years. And that has traditionally been the pathway that marketplaces have taken. You know, it, it's just the way in which they land grab, if you will. Um, and that's very, very difficult to fight against. And there's no reason to fight against it in my mind, because in a sense, customer acquisition is something that they should take advantage of. The big challenge is being able to stop that customer, if you will, if they've had a great experience in ordering food from a marketplace, a third-party marketplace, to be able to go, oh, I really love that food. Now I want to actually become a loyal member. I want to be incentivized to join their particular own um, uh, platforms so I can build my own consumer business relationship with them. And I think that's where the first-party platforms come in. The trick that I've seen most common is utilizing the packaging utilizing um, a QR code, authentic, different type packaging. So it doesn't look like it's just styrofoam packaging, which could come from any restaurant, but maybe something very custom focused to show that quality matters to the restaurant. And then the labels or the imprints are on that packaging, having something very, very lucrative, 
loss leading potentially to draw that customer back towards their own first party platform. Get that second order in. Yes, maybe lose money on it. But once you've got that customer information, then you've got the opportunity to build that dialogue with them. That, then you've got the opportunity to be able to draw them in with further offers, potentially start layering in virtual brands to in, increase visit frequency and the like. But that is probably the number one way to acquire customers through a third-party marketplace as opposed to any other particular path. Totally. I love that. I, I, uh, I, I call it the in-house guest maximizer and it's um you know it's it's having a qr code you know maybe, maybe it's a tabletop or or you know maybe it's on your menu uh maybe it is on your packaging like you say and um and and what, what we love to do is uh we connect it to a to a tool called like many chat which just makes you know you probably know it it's really it's actually a very user-friendly tool um and you can create qr codes very simply and you can, you know, take someone through a, a conversational journey and, and gather their information. And at the end of it, you give them some kind of some kind of cool, uh, you know, benefit for coming back. And um, and and you can also track your results. So I mean, yeah, it's uh, that 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 makes a, a ton of ton of sense to me. Yeah, but it also, you know, there's no question about it. The the digital world can be overwhelming um, with all the bells and whistles you can get into. Now, say I'm a restaurant owner who, who wants to take action like today, and I want to take action to harness digital to maximize my potential. Are there, okay, so you mentioned QR codes on packaging. Are there a couple of other action steps that you would recommend I take like, like right now? Again, it depends. I'd say it, it, uh -huh. it, dep it depends on where they are at on their own pathway to digital maturity. If they've got a first party platform in place. Um, the, the next step from that, obviously, is to be able to have those kind of means to be able to draw the consumer back to them. So that means do they have a, you know, a database, a CRM of some sorts to be able to understand who those customers are? Have you got enough people within that database to be able to start profiling and understand, well, who is my customer base? How far away do they come from to visit me for both my dining? Or how far away are they for when they're actually ordering for delivery or for takeout? How do I want to then communicate with those different customer segments at different times? Do I want to start creating different offers to create um, more excitement for them? How do I treat customers that are elapsed? Ones that perhaps once were visiting me, but are no longer visiting me. Um, all those questions come based around the capability and the capacity of that restaurant owner or operator to deal with the data. So assuming they've captured the data, assuming they've got mechanisms to be able to capture the data, which of course can happen through, like you say, QR codes as uh, uh, for people that are ordering at your tables in your restaurant, not just for off-premise purposes. If they've got the data, the next question is how do they then utilize that data in, in a meaningful way that they can actually you know, execute upon effectively? And, and I think that is a real challenge. Um, and there are increasing amounts of AI appearing in a lot of the loyalty platforms out there, like you know, Patronix, like Punch, like Thanks that Meredith mentioned, that are enabling that kind of level of capability to almost um, take that thinking out of the restaurant owner operator's mindset. They set the rules, they set the framework, they set the boundaries, but once those boundaries are set, the system can then take over. And I think that is the area where we're gonna to start to see some exciting things over the next year or two. Yeah. And there's, um, you know, probably at this point after the pandemic, relatively few restaurants who have done absolutely nothing, but the easiest place to start if you literally have nothing is to just go on the third-party platforms and they have quite a few sophisticated tools inside of them to help you get started on this journey. And I think a lot of restaurants look at that and say, 
yeah, but they're going to take 30% of the revenue. Like I just, I can't, I can't make that math work. I don't understand. Um, and we spend a lot of time in chapter seven of the book um, talking about how that does work and how you can make it work for your restaurant. Now in the last year with the pandemic, it was tough because in many ways um, for many parts of the country, the only access restaurants had to their consumer was through the internet. And so if you have a hundred percent of your sales going out the door through these platforms, that 30% feels really expensive um, and probably requires a, a pretty hefty price increase to bear. But in normal times, when those third-party platforms are delivering incremental customers, that 30% is much easier to bear uh, because you're really charging them on a marginal profit basis. Um, so we walk through the logic of how that works in the book because I think, um, the natural inclination of many restaurants is to just have this, what we call love-hate relationship with the platforms. Um, so one platform is a great place to start, multiple platforms. Um, we actually recommend, um, we think the more platforms that you're on, the more customers you're going to acquire. Mm -hmm. um, that's the point at which you trigger needing a way to integrate all of those orders into one order flow. Um, so that's the point at which you get something like uh, an order mark or, uh, maybe a deliver act or something to, to pull them all together. Um, and then the journey just starts, right? Then you're like, oh, I'm getting all these customers. How do I convert them to first party? Now I need a first party ordering. Oh, I have all these customers ordering first party. Now I have all their data. What do I do with it? I need a CRM. I need a loyalty platform. So one thing kind of naturally leads to another. And you don't have to do it all at once. You don't have to start um, with, you know, kind of like this aspirational goal of I'm going to be Chipotle with my own internal, um, you know, crazy algorithms, figuring out how to market to people like that. That's a great destination. And don't get me wrong, Chipotle is excellent. But if you have one location, you don't have to start there. It doesn't have to be that overwhelming. You can start much more simply and add on as you go. I love that. Yeah. I I've been, yeah. Cause you know, I've, I've been hearing for so long this um, tirade against uh, third port, third party, third party. I just made up the word third third party uh, apps, and um, the whole while I've been thinking these. You know, your argument would make sense if your goal was to get a customer one time, and and it's just that one time transaction. But the goal isn't to get a customer one time; it's to get a customer to come back again and again and again. And so, if you have that mousetrap, that mechanism in place, well, then what the third party app, apps become. It are acquisition tools. And like Carl mentioned, you're not going to beat them when they have spent gazillions of dollars on marketing. So leverage it, you know? So uh, I, I love that you guys are uh, proponents of that. And um, and yeah, so, and and there are tools to make it easy, like 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 uh, OrderMark that sort of aggregate all these tools and they also feed into your POS. So it's not a nightmare uh, on your operations. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love that. Now, so I, I almost got into it with Carl before this call. Um, I'm really, I've been going down the, um, the, the web 3.0 rabbit hole. And I was really excited to see if you guys have thoughts on web 3.0, like blockchain and all these technologies and, and how it will impact bars, restaurants and hospitality in general. Have, have you guys gone down that rabbit hole as well? Mine and you, Meredith, right now, because uh, we, we we talk about this quite a bit, and we di we didn't talk about it too much in the book. Uh, may maybe for a second edition or something, we might. But uh, 
Yeah, I do. I, I think it's interesting. Obviously, um, the first NFT restaurant is coming to um, New York next year, uh, non-fungible tokens. And the idea of being able to understand blockchain and the way in which that is going to play a role is still a little too early for average restaurants, I would suggest, to get their heads around. Um, I think most of us are still trying to get our heads around blockchain. But the if I can put it in a, a simple a fashion as possible, I think what we are all very conscious of is the way in which our personal information is used online. And for that reason, um, people become increasingly conscious as to how much they want to interact with online services. Um, you know, I think there's an increasing consciousness now as to whether you do want to connect through Facebook when you're uh, signing up for a new service as opposed to just putting in your own email address and password. Um, Blockchain, I think, is going to start to address some of that. I, I think when you've got an opportunity to be able to have your data stored in a setting where only you control where, how that particular data is used, I think that is going to actually uh, enable what I call personalization 3.0, not, not web 3.0, but personalization 3.0, and the ability for you to not just now have your information and your um, the data that you have exchanged between you and a business shared, but now cross-vertical data being shared through your own personal profile. So in the last chapter of the book, we talk about this a little bit in the sense of, imagine a world where you have um, your doctor's profile, your nutritionist giving you um, certain recommendations, your personal trainer saying, well, Carl, if you wanna lose this amount of weight or put this amount of bulk on, you need to be eating this type of profile. And then you've got the last 50 restaurants that you've engaged with, and then the, the profile of what you ordered at the grocery store over the last six months. Now combine all of that data together and put it into a private combined blockchain account, and then tell me what I can have for dinner. Mm -hmm. That is gonna be exciting. And I think that will come. I think it's 10 years at least away, but I think that is something which we'll start to see through um, blockchain and you know, its potential. Very cool. Meredith, you got anything? I make fun of Carl all the time because he is the futurist among us. Um, he has imagined these things that are just incredible. In the last chapter of the book, um, we interview, every single person we interviewed, we asked them what they think is going to happen 10 years from now. Um, and by far, I think this is the most interesting idea that, that comes out of the amalgamation of all those ideas. Yeah, we're we yeah. selling NFT book covers, would you believe? We, we're, we're trying that out just as a way of being able to drive some extra publicity. So if anyone wants to buy a, a unique uh, NFT book cover, then they can go to our website and uh, take a look. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, I, I, uh, sort of a, a penny drop moment for me was, uh, was understanding like, so there are these worlds like Fortnite, the game, right? And, you know, there are like over 350 million players in that game, which is more than the United States. And they're not really incentivized at all, like other than just the, the incentives that are inherent to the world itself, right? And meanwhile, people are spending thousands of dollars to, to do stuff in that world and to build stuff and improve it uh, just for themselves and those who are also in that world with them. And... So what, what blockchain will, will, you know, what these technologies will create is basically, you know, we can have those virtual worlds, but we can have real economies and real incentives. And so that's crazy to me. Like, um, and, you know, like, so I was thinking, oh, maybe, maybe you go into your virtual world and you can go to restaurants and based on, you know, and those restaurants can connect with the data that that's in your, whatever it is, your thing, your wallet or whatever. Um, and you could like go and you could pick out your meals and stuff before you go there. 
um, or something. I don't know. But anyways, I just thought it was really cool, this idea of virtual worlds, but real economies and real incentives. Well, that's very cool, right? You could end up with a very virtual environment that you're eating your delivered meal in. Um, and actually, that's another thing that happens in the last chapter of the book. Um, one of our characters, um, who's kind of a through line in the book, um, orders his meal for delivery, but then he eats it virtually mm -hmm. in Italy. Oh, cool. um, and yeah. so that's, again, where the that real world and that virtual world start colliding. So cool. Um, well, th this has been awesome. I, I want to be respectful of your time. Is there uh, what's what's I'm really curious, what's next on the horizon for you guys? Like, what are you you know, what are you really excited about? Well, we're certainly excited about seeing how much we can help the, the restaurant community uh, figure out the challenges that exist right now and, and hopefully move through them, looking at them as a challenge and see them as a huge opportunity. And a lot of what Meredith and I are doing right now are helping restaurants uh, across the country and working with other consultants in many ways to be able to support in whichever way we can. There are hundreds of thousands of um, restaurants here in, in the US um, and there's only a few of us uh, available. So one of our plans is to have um, a website which is learn.delivery and learn.delivery is meant to be the um, repository of information and knowledge that readers of the book can go to after reading the book. Um, a, to be in touch with us, but then B, also to be able to get access to the latest thinking. Um, one of the great things that Meredith and I have been able to achieve through writing this book and interviewing over 100 different executives, both in technology and in the restaurant space, is build quite a powerful network and, and meet other folks that are trying to support restaurants too. And uh, we don't have all the answers for sure, but we are pretty confident that we know people that do. Awesome. Right. I think we believe so much in the independent restaurant um, and its importance in our local communities and our local economy that we want to be able to make sure they have access to all the great thinking and all the great innovation that the big chains have access to. And that it's not just, you know, the VC funded companies and the big public companies that are able to do these things, but um, the awesome local innovators as well. Totally. I mean, all this, all this technology is becoming democratized and I, I think it's actually not, there, there actually aren't that many who know that, you know? So I think that just bringing the information to them and saying, you know, you can do this too. Uh, you, you could develop an app um, for fairly, not like for not a lot of money um, if you wanted to. And uh, yeah, so I, I think that's awesome what you guys are doing. Uh, hey, I just had the, do you guys, are you up for like a little rapid fire round uh, of questions to, to, to end off our, our, our little conversation here today? I love it. Let's do it. Right. We haven't done that yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to, I'm usually, I kind of, I'm going to, I'm going to make it up here. Okay. So uh, what are your favorite cocktails? Old fashioned. Margarita. Oh, nice. What's your favorite, uh, what's your favorite bourbon and what's your favorite tequila? Uncle nearest. Oh, uh, I, I am totally, totally indifferent to me. Okay. It's more about uh, the quality of the mixers and hopefully the lime. Got it. Got it. And uh, what, what book or resource has had the greatest impact on you two respectively? For me, the four hour work week from Tim Ferriss. I read that 15 years or so ago. I think it was um, great in just terms of personal productivity. Amazing book. Uh, for me, it's a book called Above the Line by Stephen and Mara Klemek. 
Um, they have done a lot of training uh, in and around YAM, uh, talking about how to be the best version of you as a leader and bring out the best in your team. Awesome. Awesome. What I, I know, Meredith, you mentioned that you're tool agnostic, but is there like some kind of digital tool or something that you are each uh, very excited about? Just it could be anything. Sure. Uh, we've been using plenty in writing a book. One of them is Canva. Love Canva. Oh, Canva so good. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yep. And uh, also at the last two companies that Carl and I have worked with together, uh, we've implemented Spark Hire, which is a video interviewing software. Um, and we are really big fans of that one too. Awesome. And before my final question, is there anything I should have asked you, but I did not? Where can you get the book? Uh, and where you can get the book is, of course, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, but also through our own website at deliveringthedigitalrestaurant.com. And, and uh, you can also head to learn.delivery and find out more about us there. Amazing. And people, people can connect with you there as well? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. And so my final question is, let's say the government or uh, an investor of some kind just decided to give you $100,000 to grow your business. Uh, how, how would you spend that money? Cool. Let's take a stab at that one first, Meredith. <laughs> um, I honestly would spend it reaching out to the local independent restaurants. It has been a really tough last year and a half, um, and we have actually lost a lot of independent restaurants because of what's been going on with the pandemic. Um, but as I said, we believe very strongly they're a huge part of our local communities and of our um, economy. And so for me, it would be um, reaching out to them and making sure that they have access to um, the book first and foremost, and then uh, the thinking that goes behind it. Awesome. Thank you guys, Carl and Meredith, so much for coming on. Folks, go get the book. Uh, you can find it at learn.delivery and on Amazon, and you guys can connect with uh, Meredith and Carl there. And otherwise, yeah, thank you guys so much. And we'll, uh, I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Good stuff. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Guest Getter. I'm your host, Kyle Gilfoyle. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. As always, you can head over to guestgetter.co to check out the resources in this episode's show notes and sign up for our weekly newsletter. That is it for today. We'll see you next time.